picture photograph. Torn and, yes, mutilated with some sharp instrument. Aye, he sent it to me with his cast on the morning of my wedding to Mr. McFarlane. Have you ever told your son of this? I don't recall. Why? Because if the police were to learn that you had, they would mark it down as providing an additional motive for him to have murdered this man. But no case was too hopeless for my friend Sherlock Holmes when he was defending the life of an innocent man. My name is Watson, Dr. Watson. And it was my privilege to share the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. I will tell you what happened in the case of the Norwood Builder. Hardly any case began more abruptly, as you may judge for yourself in a moment. What on earth? Mr. Sherlock Holmes, you mustn't blame me. I'm nearly mad. Mr. Holmes, I am the unhappy John Hector McFarlane. Have a cigarette, Mr. McFarlane. I'm sure that with your symptoms, my friend Dr. Watson here would prescribe a sedative. Mr. Thank Holmes. Oh, oh, Mr. Holmes, I, I do beg your pardon, but the young gentleman just ran on ahead of me. Don't worry, Mrs. Hudson. Just leave us, please. Very well, sir. Now, Mr. McFarlane, you mentioned your name as if I should recognize it. But I assure you that beyond the obvious facts that you are a bachelor... A solicitor and a Freemason. I know nothing whatever about you. But, but if you know all those things, then... Well, purely from observation, I assure you. The, may I say it, the untidiness of your attire, the sheaf of legal documents protruding from the jacket pocket, the Masonic watch charm. Quite straightforward, eh, Watson? Oh, quite, quite. I, I, I'm all of that. And in addition, I'm the most unfortunate man in London at this moment. I appeal to you, Mr. Holmes, if they come to arrest me before I finish telling you my story, make them give me time to tell you the whole truth. Arrest you? On what charge? For the murder of Mr. Jonas Oldacre of Law Norwood. Well, Holmes... True, Watson. It was only a moment ago, Mr. McFarlane, that I was remarking to my friend that sensational cases had quite disappeared out of our newspapers. Is that so? Then you haven't looked very closely at that one there, have you? Eh? See? On the very front page. Indeed. Uh, Watson, if you'd be so good. Oh, certainly, Holmes. Mysterious affair at Lower Norwood. Suspicion of murder and arson. At about 12 o'clock last night, an alarm was given that a stack of timber was on fire at the yard of Mr. Jonas Oldacre, a well-known builder of Lower Norwood. The engines were soon upon the spot, but it was impossible to arrest the conflagration until the stack had been entirely consumed. Surprise was expressed to the absence of the owner of the establishment, and investigations revealed that a murderous struggle had apparently taken place in his study, where slight traces of blood were found. An oaken walking stick found there bore bloodstains on its handle, and a safe uh, had been opened and papers scattered about the room. It is known that Mr. Oldacre received a visitor yesterday evening, a young London solicitor named John Hector McFarlane, who is now being sought by the police for his help in their inquiries. Uh, you see, now read out the stop press. Uh, there, below. What, here? Yes. Yes. Police theory, victim was clubbed to death in his room, papers rifled and dead body dragged across the woodpile, which was then ignited so as to hide all traces of the crime. Great heavens. Yes, the case has certainly some points of interest. 
May I ask, Mr. McFarland, how it is that you're still at liberty? I live with my parents at Blackheath. But last night, having to do business with Mr. Oldacre late in the evening, I stayed in a hotel at Norwood. I knew nothing of this affair until I read that newspaper account on the train to the city. I hurried at once to put the case in your hands. As a matter of fact, I swear a man followed me out of London Bridge Station. Come in. Inspector Lestrade, Mr. Holmes. No, no. I'll leave, Mr. Holmes. John Hector McFarlane, I arrest you for the willful murder of Mr. Jonas Oldacre. Oh, Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Uh, very good, sir. Now, McFarlane, it's my duty to warn you that anything you say will be taken down and maybe put in evidence. Lestrade, this gentleman is on the point of giving us an account of the affair which might aid in clearing it up. All right, McFarlane. Get on with your story. I must explain first that I knew nothing of Jonas Oldacre except that my parents had been acquainted with him many years ago. So I was very much surprised to get a request to go out to his home yesterday evening and advise him on a legal matter. Well, I got to his house soon after nine and was let in by a middle-aged woman, his housekeeper, I took her to be. Ah, my dear, you do come in. Thank you, sir. Uh, beg pardon, sir. Shall I serve supper now? In a few minutes, Mrs. Lexington. I'll just acquaint my young friend here with the business I have for him, and then we can discuss it further over the meal. Uh, will that uh, suit you, Mr. McFarland? Anything you say, Mr. Oldacre. Very good, sir. Very good of you to come all this way, Mr. McFarland. I knew your parents many years ago, do you know? I, I have heard your name. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Well, now... To come straight to the point, I asked you here this evening to attend to my will. I see. If you'll read the will for yourself, you'll discover why I sent for you. Very well. Here it is. Thank you. Jonas Oldacre. <laughs> it's short and to the point, you see. I, uh, uh, but, but, Mr. Oldacre, this will leave your entire estate to... To me? And a most deserving recipient, so my inquiries affirm. But I, I... I don't understand. It's quite straightforward, my dear young sir. I am a bachelor with hardly a living relation in the world. I knew your parents in my youth. As to yourself, I have always heard it said that you are diligent and thoroughly deserving. Therefore, I choose to make you my heir. I... I, I don't know what to say. Now, simply assure me, as a lawyer, that the will is in proper form. I shall sign it, Mrs. Lexington shall witness, and then we'll have supper. With the greatest pleasure, sir. There are a number of papers, title deeds, mortgages, script, and so on, which I should like you to examine. You will inherit them all someday, and a few words of clarification now will save you endless searching when that time comes. May that time be long delayed, sir. I share your wish, Mr. McFarland. Everything is taken into account now. I'll put all these papers back in the safe when you've gone. Oh, goodness me. It's nearly midnight. It's been a pleasure, sir. Indeed. Oh, uh, don't go that way if you don't mind. Oh, sorry. The doors creak, and I shouldn't wish to disturb Mrs. Lexington unnecessarily. Uh, of course. If you wouldn't mind the, the French window. Of course not. I did have it here somewhere, I'm sure. Have you mislaid something? My stick. Yes, I, I'm sure I had it with me. You did? I don't recall. <laughs> ah, well, my boy, I shall see a good deal of you now, I hope. 
If your stick turns up, I'll keep it here until you can come back to claim it. It'll be a great pleasure, sir. I left him there. The safe open, the papers and packets on the table. It was too late to get home, so I spent the night in a hotel in Norwood. I knew nothing more until I read of this horrible affair in the morning paper. All right, then. And now, Mr. Holmes, anything you'd like to ask? Not until I've been to Blackheath. Oh, yes. No doubt that is what I must admit. Uh, Constable. Constable. Sir? Take him away. I'll follow later. Mr. Mr. Holmes. I shall do everything I can, Mr. McFarlane. Thank you, sir. I put my trust in you. This way. Well, Mr. Holmes? The case is not clear to me yet, Lestrade. What about you, Watson? Well, looks pretty clear-cut to me, I'm afraid. Exactly, Dr. Watson. My good Lestrade, you don't add imagination to your other great qualities. But if you could for one moment put yourself in this young man's place, would you choose the very night the will had been signed to commit your crime? Wouldn't it seem dangerous to you to make so very close a relation between the two incidents? Well, uh... Would you choose an occasion when you're known to be in the house by the servant who'd let you in? Mm-hmm. And would you really take the greatest pains to conceal the body and yet leave your own stick lying about as a sign that you were the criminal? Confess, Lestrade, it's all very unlikely. Yes, but you know as well as I do that a criminal is often flooded and does things a cool man would avoid. Suppose some tramp lurking in the garden, had seen the documents there in the room with a safe wide open and papers all over the table. Exit the solicitor, enter the tramp. He seizes a stick which he finds there, kills old Acre, burns his body, and departs. But why should a tramp burn the body? Why should McFarland get rid of some evidence? Possibly the tramp wanted to conceal the fact that any murder at all had been committed. Why did the tramp take nothing? Because he found they were just papers he couldn't negotiate. Well, Mr. Holmes, you look for your tramp. Just remember one thing, though. So far as is known, none of those papers were removed. And our prisoner is the one man in the world who had every reason to leave them all there intact, since he'd soon inherit them anyway. I don't deny that the evidence favors your theory strongly, Lestrade. I only wish to point out that there are other theories possible. Well, I must be going. Really? Uh, Look in at Norwood if you're passing and uh, see how we're getting on. Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, Lestrade. Well, he's got a strong case, Holmes. Now, Watson, if you'll kindly help me with my coat. Oh, certainly. <clears throat> Where are you going? Black Heath, as I said. Uh, well, I'll just get my coat then. No, 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 my dear fellow, I, I don't think you can help me. Oh, really? There's no prospect of danger. I shouldn't dream of stirring without you. I trust that when I see you again this evening, I shall have been able to do something for this unfortunate youngster. going wrong, Watson. Really? Uh, British juries have not yet attained that pitch of intelligence where they'll give preference to my theories over Lestrade's facts. <laughs> did you go to Blackheath? I did. Young McFarlane's father was away, but his mother was at home. Ah. A little fluffy, blue-eyed person. Of course my son is not guilty, Mr. Holmes. I won't admit even the possibility of it. 
Pastor Jonas Oldacre's face, it neither surprises nor distresses me. Uh, Mrs. McFarlane. He was more like a malignant and cunning ape than a human being. Always, even as a young man. I hated that man. I regard his death as a blessing. You knew him from his youth? Oh, I knew him well. He was after me to marry him. Thank heaven I had the sense to refuse. What was his answer to that? Here, I'll show you. Hmm? I have it in the straw. Now, what do you think of that, Mr. Holmes? It's your photograph. Torn and, yes, mutilated with some sharp instrument. Aye, he sent it to me with his cash on the morning of my wedding to Mr. McFarlane. I see. Have you ever told your son of this? I don't recall. Because if the police were to learn that you had, they would mark it down as providing an additional motive for him to have murdered this man. Revenge for his past cruelty. Mr. Holmes, my son did not kill Jonas Oldacre. Well, at least it could be argued that he would scarcely wait until the insult was wiped out before doing so. Oldacre had left all his property to your son. Neither my son nor I want anything from Jonas Oldacre, dead or alive. Nothing, Mr. Holmes. So all you've got was more evidence against your client. Nothing to help our own hypothesis, certainly. Well, what did you do after that? I went to Oldacre's place. They just made a great treasure trove. What, what kind of treasure? Trouser button. Trouser button? They'd spent the morning raking among the ashes of the burnt wood pile, and a number of trouser buttons had come to light. Mrs. Lexington, the housekeeper, swore they were once she'd sewn on for Oldacre. Mrs. Lexington, eh? Did you have a word with her, Holmes? I did, Watson. And I'm convinced that she could tell us something if she wanted to. A little dark woman, as close as wax. That's that shortly before half past nine, Mr. Holmes. And I wish now my hand had withered before I could turn the door knob to him. Yes, yes, Mrs. Lexington. I quite appreciate your distress. Oh, the poor dear master. Dead and gone. Uh, Mrs. Lexington... What time did you yourself retire to bed? Half past ten, sir. After I cleared away, there's some things have washed up. And where is your room in relation to Mr. Holgate's study? At the far end of the house, sir. I heard nothing of what happened. What awoke you eventually? People banging on the door with the alarm of fire. I dressed and I went down. I could smell the flesh burning. Soak of the fire. Oh, it was terrible. Quite amazing to think of her sleeping right through a death struggle like that. True, Watson. I feel it in my bones that there's something that hasn't come out. I could read it in her eyes, that sort of sulky defiance which only goes with guilty knowledge. But unless some lucky chance comes our way, I fear that the case of the Norwood Builder will not figure in a chronicle of our successes. <laughs> That's true. I wish I could suggest something, Holmes. There is one curious little point. What's that? I examined Oldacre's bank book amongst the other papers. His balance struck me as rather small for a man of such means. Uh? So I looked back through the entries during the last year. I found that a number of large checks had been made out to a Mr. Cornelius. Who's he? I don't know. His name didn't appear in any of the documents. Come in. Oh, what is it, Mrs. Hudson? A telegram for you, Mr. Holmes. Oh, thank you. Hmm. 
there a reply, sir? Uh, no. No, thank you. Very good, sir. Well, that appears to be that. Uh, from Lestrade? Yes. Important fresh evidence to hand. McFarlane's guilt definitely established. Advise you to abandon the case. It's Lestrade's little cock-a-doodle of victory. It sounds serious. And yet it may be premature to abandon the case. Important fresh evidence could be a two-edged thing. It may just possibly cut in a very different direction from the one Lestrade imagined. Come along, my dear fellow. I feel in need of your company and moral support today. We'll go out to Norwood and see what we can do. your tramp? I form no conclusion whatever, Lestrade. Then step this way, gentlemen. And I think I can convince you once and for all. See this hat rack? Yes. Well, that's where young McFarlane must have come out to get his hat. After the crime was done. Now, I'll, uh, I'll strike a light. So gloomy in here. Now, look at this. A fingerprint. In blood. Actually, a thumbprint, Doctor. Look at it through your lens, Mr. Holmes. Yes, I'm doing so. You are aware that no two thumbprints are alike? I have heard something of the kind. Oh, let's hold this next to it. The wax impression of McFarlane's thumb taken by my orders this morning. Hmm. That's final. Yes, that's final. It is final. But what a providential thing that this young man should press his right thumb against the wall and taking his hat from the peg. Such a very natural action, too. Oh, by the way, Lestrade, yeah? who made this remarkable discovery? It was the housekeeper, Mrs. Lexington. But why didn't the police see this mark earlier? I suppose there is no doubt that it was there earlier. Eh? Oh, well, I'll, I'll be about the place if you want me. I've got a report to get on with. There are points about this development that hold out some new hopes for him. What? I'm delighted to hear that. You see, there's one really serious flaw in this new discovery. Indeed, Holmes, what is it? Only this. But I know that thumbprint was not there when I examined this hall earlier. Good gracious. Now, come along. I wish to inspect this whole house inside and out. And then we'll trouble the straight to grant us one final indulgence. Anything you like, Mr. Holmes. I understood that you were writing a report of this case. So I am. Don't you think it might be a little premature? What? I can't help thinking that your evidence is not complete. What do you mean, Mr. Holmes? Only that there's an important witness whom you have not seen. Who? Can you produce him? I think I can. How? How many constables have you? Two within call. Both large, able-bodied men with powerful voices. With but. What have their voices got to do with it? Kindly summon them here and um, tell them to bring a considerable quantity of straw. Straw? Yes, there's plenty in the outhouse. Uh, two bundles will do. Oh, and a couple of buckets of water. Now, look here, Mr. Holmes. If you know something, you can say it without all this tomfoolery. I assure you, my good Lestrade, that I have an excellent reason for everything I do. Kindly ask the constables to bring the things to the top landing of the house as soon as possible. <laughs> Now, just pile the straw together here, my good man. Right you are, sir. Now, 
We have the buckets in readiness. Uh, over here, sir. Capital. Will one of you open that window, please? Uh, yes, sir. Watson. Yes, Holmes. Have you a box of matches about you? Of course, yes, sir. You are. Now, kindly put a match to the edge of that straw. What? Oh, well, very well, Holmes. Now, as the draft from the window carries the smoke down the corridor, might I ask you all to join in the cry of fire? Yes, I will. Now, ready? One, two, three. Fire! I'll trouble you once again. Fire! Fire! Just once more, gentlemen, and all together, Watson. Oh. Fire! Help! Save me! For the love of heaven, save me! Hold in, someone. Watson, a bucket of water over that straw, if you please. Thank you, Watson. Now, Lestrade, allow me to present you with your missing witness, Mr. Jonas Oldacre. Hey, what? Oldacre? I've done no harm. You've got nothing against me. No harm? You've done your best to get an innocent man hanged. It, it was only my, my practical joke. Oh, a joke, was it? <laughs> You won't find the laugh on your side, I promise you. Constable? Sir? Take him downstairs in the sitting room until I come. Yes, sir. Mr. Holmes, I... You've saved an innocent man's life and you've prevented a scandal that... Well, it might have ruined my reputation in the force. Cheer up, Lestrade. Instead of being ruined, you'll find your reputation enormously enhanced. You mean you don't want your name to appear? Not at all. The work is its own reward. Well, now, let's see where that rat has been lurking. Now, there's that door he suddenly came out of. I never noticed it. No, because it was so well concealed. He's a builder, remember? Yeah. See here, this little partition? Oh, yes. Almost impossible to distinguish. He was able to fix up his own little hiding place without any confederate, save that precious housekeeper of his. By the by, I should lose no time in adding fur to your bag, Lestrade. Don't worry, she won't get far. Yes, but Holmes, how on earth did you know he was in the house at all? The thumb mark. I'd examined the hall the day before, and the mark had not been there. Therefore, it had been made since. But McFarlane was under lock and key. When they were sealing those documents, Old Acre got McFarlane to secure one of the seals by pressing his thumb into the hot wax. Perhaps it wasn't even contrived deliberately. Huh? But later, brooding in that hiding place of his, Old Acre remembered it. And it suddenly struck him what absolutely damning evidence he could make against McFarlane by using that thumb mark. It was the simplest thing in the world to get his housekeeper to fetch him the seal and some wax from which he made an impression. Then all he had to do was to moisten it with as much blood as he could get from a pin prick in his own finger and get her to impress the mark on the wall where nobody was about. It's wonderful. Clear as crystal when you put it like that. But what's it all about, Mr. Holmes? Ah... A very deep, malicious, vindictive person is the gentleman who's now awaiting us downstairs. You know that he was once refused by McFarlane's mother? No. No, I didn't know that. You didn't? Ah. I told you to go to Blackheath first and Norwood afterwards. Oh, dear, yes, I know, Mr. Holmes. Well, this injury, as he would consider it, has rankled in his wicked, scheming brain. All his life, he's longed for vengeance, but never seen his chance. And now, he suddenly finds himself in a bad way financially. 
to save himself, he pays large checks to a Mr. Cornelius, whom I've no doubt is himself. He intended to disappear under that name, thus escaping his creditors once and for all. And contrived his death to put them off the scent. But he didn't know when to stop, eh? No. That supreme gift of the artist was lacking. He wished to improve what was already perfect, to draw the rope tighter yet round his victim's neck. And in so doing, he ruined all. Diabolical. Mr. Holmes, I congratulate you. Now, let us descend, Lestrade. There are one or two questions I would ask him. It was a joke, my good sir. I'm sure that you wouldn't be so unjust as to imagine that I would have allowed any harm to befall poor young Mr. McFarlane. That's for the jury to decide. And you'll probably find that your creditors will impound the banking account of Mr. Cornelius. I have to thank you for a good deal, Mr. Holmes. Perhaps I will pay my debt someday. <laughs> I fancy that for some few years you will find your time very fully occupied. Oh, by the way, what was it you put into the wood pile beside the trouser button? A dead dog or rabbits or what? Oh, oh you won't tell? Hear me, how very unkind of you. Well, well, if ever you write an account, Watson, you can make rabbits serve your turn. Norwood Builder was one of the Sherlock Holmes stories from the inspired pen of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. My name, my, my real name, is Norman Shelley. My friend Carlton Hobbs played Sherlock Holmes, and I was Dr. Watson. Michael Hardwick wrote the script for this BBC production from London. And I look forward to the pleasure of your company again soon for more of the adventures of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs>